two things happen every time that we do an Avera, which means that there are two key steps we have to take to correct the effects of an Avera, which means that we have to employ two different dimensions of godly energy to assist us to achieve that. So let's do some spiritual anatomy in order to understand the impact of Averis, more importantly, the impact and process of Teshuvah. This is in Igeris HaTshuvah, in the fourth parak, what the Alter Rebbe explains, how the Rebbe's father ex- expands on that, and then how the Rebbe uses this to give us an incredible insight into how it all works. In fact, in Perak von Igeris HaTshuvah, when the Alter Rebbe is mevor v'yali yud zainen michlolois v'nirmozes b'shem havai baruchu, if you learned the previous sikhi, you'll know that the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe points out that all of the ten spheres are incorporated in the shapes and the expressions of Yud Kei Vav Kei. On Hebendik von Yud, starting with the Yud, which she begins in the Kudel of Admar Mezas Lechachmasis Baruch, seeing as it's a tiny letter, which is just like a dot, therefore it represents the beginning, the spark of Chachma of Hashem. And then is a Moshe v'Chatzoi Eagle. Parenthetically, the Alter Rebbe mentions at that point v'Hakoyt Shala Yud Remes Lebchinas Rotsin Elyon Baruch Hu, the little spike on the Yud that alludes to. Hashem's supernal rotsam, which is obviously higher than Chochmah, should a maila, maila, but he doesn't just say higher, he says it is higher and higher, than Hashem's supernal wisdom. Immediately, the Rebbe's father picks up on that Loshan. So the Rebbe draws our attention to the fact that the Alter Rebbe said it's not just higher than Chochmah, but Rotsam Elin is higher, higher than Chochmah, and is Mavor, and Rebbe Levik explains, because if we're speaking about not just regular Chochmah, but Chochmah Stimo'a, which is Chochmah at a level that it is not yet revealed, which is Chochmah as it manifests in the level of Arachan Pin. So let's remember that Kesser is split into two dimensions, Atik Yomin and Arachan Pin. And the idea of Arach is that you've got a higher level than the entire s- series of the ten spheres. And there's a hidden Chochmah at that level too, that is called Chochmah Stimo'a. And then Hashem's Ratzin, which is represented by the skull, is even higher than Chochmah Stimo. So you have the ten spheres. The highest point of the ten spheres is Chochmah, as we're going to call it, higher than that is a hidden or unrevealed type of Chochmah called Chochmah Stimo. Higher than that is the so-called encompassing skull, Ratzin Ha'elian. Of a medical toys, so therefore, once you know this information, you can understand as Ratzin Elin, who la maila maila mi chachma ilo adatzilus, then you can appreciate that Ratzin Elin is not just higher than chachma of atzilus, but even higher than the level that is higher within chachma, chachma of harichampin chachma stimo. Now, but a chayra, the koychal ayud, vaistoch nor if amadereg vasis hechafun chachma datzilus aisyud. In context of what Alter Rebbe wants to tell us, the whole point of speaking about the little spike on the yud is to tell us that there is a level that is higher than the yud. That's really all that we need to know. Tavos is done again to madigazayin as pechinas rotsin or elyon. So, why in this particular context would it be necessary for the Alter Rebbe to emphasize for us that rotsin ha elyon vasis mrumas and dimkets she'al hayud, which is the piece that is alluded to with that little piece of the top of the Yud, is why is it relevant for us to know in this particular context that Ratzon HaElyon alluded to in the quotes of the Yud is not only higher than regular Chochmah, but even higher than Chochmah Stimah. It's a very important information. Why is it relevant here? 
is their fun move on. As we can kefer aloshin shel maile maile, so it must then be that when the Altreba uses that double expression, is there also not to zog nazotz and elin is hechafon chokmas dimo. Must be that Altreba doesn't just want to tell us a kind of spiritual geography that you need to know that ratzon elin is even higher than the highest level of chokmas chokmas dimo. Naroich to madgezayin a vifol der ratzon elin is hechafon chokmas dimo. But the Altreba wants us to know how much higher ratzon is. Then Chochma, as in Hechad from Chochme Law is the Maile Maile, Zweimol, that Ratzon Elian relative to Chochme Law is doubly higher. And if that's the case, Dampf Hashem, we have to understand, Vos is Neger Do, in Neger Satchuva, as the Hechad from Ratzon Elian, if Chochme Law is an unopened from the Maile Maile, Zweimol, why is it relevant here in this particular discussion about Neger Satchuva to know that Ratzon Elian is not only higher than Chochma, but is higher even than that which is higher than Chochma? We've got to understand this. This explanation will be based on the following principle. Why is Al-Tarebbe talking about this at all? Why in the first place is the Al-Tarebbe describing to us that Ratzon Elin is so much greater and higher than Chochma of Atzilus Chochma Elo? The reason Al-Tarebbe is doing this is to get to a point that he wants to illustrate. It's kumt b'tor agdama v'gret frir. It is an introduction, as the Rebbe explained in the previous sicha. So I invite the Gemara in Perches to the what the Alter Rebbe will later explain in the eighth chapter. The Alter Rebbe wants to get us to the point of understanding that Yud Gimel Midas Rachimim are so powerful and so much beyond the entire system that not only do they affect atonement for us, but they remove all the blemishes and all the damage that was caused by our inappropriate behaviors. So in our context, because the Yudgimon Bidas Arachamim originate at Ratzon Ha'elian, and now in context, Ratzon Ha'elian is alluded to in the quotes of the Yud, which is so much greater than any other energy flow that is represented by or comes through any of the four letters of Hashem's name. So what's the Altareba getting to? to the point where he'll explain to us how powerful you'd give me the Sarachimim are and therefore their ability to completely clean the slate. On the Farazokta, Sayonons of Perak and Sayon Perakhes Shalomailamailo. That's why both here and later on in Perakhes, he's going to use this double expression of it is higher and higher. Because because if you want to be able to cleanse whatever damage or blemish was caused to those spiritual energies represented by the four letters of Hashem's name, you'd have to access a level which is completely beyond the reality of Shem Havaya, and that is Lamailo Maila. It is completely out of the box, completely beyond anything. Dosest. In other words, as Bachinas Chochma Stimo'a, this level of so-called hidden chokhmah, of course, if it is this hidden chokhmah, it is obviously higher and beyond revealed chokhmah, which is re- represented by the Yud. But because Chochma Stimo is just one level up, just one step up from Chochma Ilo, and if you're one level up from something, that means that you're still in some way connected to or relative to. So Chochma Stimo might be a really elevated level, but it is still relative to Chochma Datsilus. 
As Chochma Hebzechon in Keser. Now Dot is the Chochma Stima. So in other places in Chassidus we explain that what drives a Chochma? How does a person come to have a Chochma which is an innovative idea or an insight or a new understanding? There had to be a Rotzen, there had to be a Keser that drove it in the first place. Now when that Keser happens, you know, I want to have an idea, right? I, I'm trying to come up with an idea. I want to understand something. At that point, I don't actually feel the intellect. I just feel the drive. So the Chochma is Stima. The wisdom is still hidden. Nevertheless, that chokhmah, even though it is so, so hidden and embedded inside Ratzon, it is not powerful enough to completely cleanse the slate. In order to reach the point that you can completely expand all the negativity that was attracted and created through our various, you have to go much higher. You have to key into Ratzon Ha'elian, which is beyond Avaya. Okay, let's understand that. We're going to see that it sounds like the Alter Rebbe explains this concept a little differently in Lakota Torah to how he does over here in Nagar Satshuva. Now, why would the Alter Rebbe give two seemingly different explanations of the same process in two different sources? So in Lakota Torah, it explains as the Tikkun Kol HaPigomim that the way that we fix or cleanse all of the blemishes caused by virus, which, as we know, is thanks to the power of the 13 attributes of Hashem's mercy, but in the Kutatera, the Altareb explains, is mitzadem was enem zich for moichistimo. There, the Altareb says that the Yudgimum midasarachimim are, they originate in or are sourced from moichistimo, which is another way of saying chachmastimo, the hidden chachma vashem. Vasinim is do amaila ifchines galgalta, not only that, but in the Kutatera, the Altareb describes this hidden brain as having a certain advantage even over the skull. So up until now, the skull was the spiritual anatomy that was supposed to represent Ratzon, which is so much greater than anything about Chochmah, whether it be revealed or hidden Chochmah. But in the Kutatora, the Alter Rebbe is talking about the possibility that Moichus the so-called hidden brain or hidden uh, concealed intellect, is actually even, in a sense, greater than the skull, than the Ratzon. We've got to understand how that could work. And how does that fit with what he's emphasizing here in That the way in which the the um, are able to cleanse completely all of the, the harm and blemishes of the Averis uh, is because they come from Ratzon Elin represented by the skull. And in the Altareb is making it really clear that Ratzon Elin is far greater than Chachmastima. So it seems like a contradiction. In Likuta Torah, it sounds like Chachmastima is greater than Ratzon Elin. And here it's the reverse. So the Klolis Abir in them to explain this, we first got to look at what are the two impacts that an Avera has on a person and on their environment. So if you analyze a chet and thereby understand what it takes to, to fix a chet, generally speaking, there are two issues that have to be dealt with. Number one is The person does an avera that creates a connection between that person and whatever negative energy, whatever toxic energy is represented in that avera. Melafose, as the Gemara in Sota tells us, it's like a person becomes enveloped by the Avera. 
Because as the Alter Rebbe explains over here in the Geras HaTshuva, every one of our Neshamas is actually a part of Hashem's name. Then the person who's engaged with the Havera, who is now sucked into this negative energy, that negative energy will have a bad effect on their Neshama and on the part of Hashem's name that this Neshama represents. So that's the first thing that happens. The the damage, the blemish. The second thing that happens is, if we contrast an Avera to a mitzvah, when a person does a mitzvah, even if the mitzvah that they're doing is the avoidance of something that Torah prohibits, every single time we do a, a, a mitzvah or choose to avoid an Avera, we bring more godly energy into the world. Then if a person transgresses a mitzvah, besides the first point that we made, that the person now attracts negative energy to themselves, but there's another problem, and that is that there was energy that was meant to enter into this world, and the person didn't do the mitzvah, therefore this energy is now missing from the world. On the river, because there are these two facets. So when you fix things through tshuva, it's not sufficient just to cleanse ourselves of whatever dirt we attracted through our avarus. As the Alter Rebbe calls them, the dirty garments. We also have to somehow replenish the energy that we were supposed to bring into the world and did not bring into the world. So those are key elements for us to understand. There's dirt which has to be cleansed and there's a lack that has to be refilled. Now, how does Chuvah do that? How does Chuvah clean and how does Chuvah replenish? Well, the overarching principle of Chuvah is that we do mitzvahs because that's what they bestow once. When we do Chuvah, we connect to the Baal Harotzen, to the Ebeshto who wants those things. In other words, a mitzvah is a relationship that is dependent on us fulfilling what Hashem wants, and Baal Aratzen allows us to have a connection to Hashem, which is beyond what He wants. Because we're now relating to Hashem at a deeper, higher level, that's what allows and facilitates the cleansing and the replenishing. So let's understand how that works. This is a fascinating concept. Vebishtah wants us to do certain things. But unlike a human being, Vebishtah is not then caught up in those things. So for example, if, if I give you a shopping list, then I obviously want you to buy the things on the shopping list. And if you don't, I'll be upset about it. But in Vebishtah's case, Vebishtah generates this whole spectrum of different things that he wants us to do. But it's not as though it's personal to him. If we don't do it, he's now hurt. So it's not possible that if a person rejects what Hashem wants and rebels against what Hashem wants, that that's going to in any way, so to speak, harm Hashem. So when we do tshuva, which then allows us access to the dimension of Hashem that is quite okay, despite our misdeeds, that allows us to get rid of the dirt. So in other words, let's say it's not just you going shopping for me. Let's say it's your child going shopping for you. So the child messes up the shopping list and comes back with the wrong things. If your relationship was just based on the shopping list, there'd be a problem. But it isn't. There is a deeper relationship. And when you call on that relationship, we can get over the fact that the child brought the wrong things on the shopping list. 
And because they're because, sorry, because the Baal HaRatzim, because now we're talking about the Ebrish at a level that is completely unlimited. And so therefore, there are no rules of exactly how the Ebrish is going to get, so to speak, the goal. When I'm looking at the shopping list, when the Abishta says there's 613 things that you have to do, well, then those are the only ways that you can access godliness in the world. But when you're speaking to the Abishta who invented the 613, who made the shopping list, well, now there's the possibility that he could find another way. He could also design and create a new channel of how to be able to connect. So now there's a possibility of the Abish just saying, yes, I originally designed the system that you had to do these things in order to generate the particular energy into the world. But now that you've approached me with such a deep commitment of tshuva, I'm willing to create a new system that will allow you to generate that energy into the world, despite the fact that you did not do the mitzvah. So that's the point. We're now speaking to a higher dimension of godliness, and therefore there's the possibility of changing the rules of how we're going to connect and even undo some of the, the ill effects of what we shouldn't have done. So now when we analyze this better, that we're actually talking about getting in touch with the Baal HaRatzin, which therefore allows us to cleanse on the one hand, and yet on the other hand, allows the possibility of a whole new system and a new set of rules, that seems to create a contradiction, a paradox, a tension. Because the time of Bita Lachet is, how is it that David is able to cleanse our virus and their damaging effects? That's because the Ebishter is looking from that perspective as he is untouched by our behavior. Like the Pasuk in Eev tells us, if a person sins a lot, how, what will it do to the Ebishter? And equally, if a person is righteous, what does it add to the Ebishter? So what allows the Ebishter to say, okay, it, it's okay, you did Shiva now, I'm going to completely disregard any of the bad things that you didn't consider as if they never existed. Why? Because the truth is they don't really bother me, they don't really affect me. Yet on the other hand, in Svetaninian, but the other argument was, and Ebishter, because he is not bound by the rules, can now say, okay, we're going to find another way to bring that new energy into the world that you didn't bring into the world when you didn't do the particular mitzvah. You can't say at that point, Abish is saying, because I don't care about the world, or I don't care about the system, it's beneath me. If the Abish is saying, let's find another way to bring this energy into the world, the Abish is saying, it is important for this energy to get into the world. So, to cleanse our avariuses, the Abish is saying, it's okay, whatever you've done doesn't actually harm me. In order to be able to bring the energy into the world, Abish is saying, well, it's important we get the energy into the world. Is that not a contradiction? Is this not two completely different paradoxical attitudes? Okay, there is of course still an advantage to the fact that we're now linking to the Baal HaRatzin versus the actual mitzvahs themselves, the Ratzin itself. Because as long as we're only interacting with the Ebeshter at the level of instructor, giver of mitzvahs, well then these are the only ways in which we can get the benefit of mitzvahs. Each particular channel of energy is linked to a specific mitzvah. The mitzvah is missing, the channel doesn't happen. 
Whereas when we're looking from the perspective of the Ebishter being the master of those Ratsonas, of those menus, of those instructions, then there are no restrictions. And even in the absence of the performance of the actual mitzvah, there is still the possibility of the channel being there. Okay, so that's just to explain why Bala Rotson allows us the opportunity to generate a new Amshacha. But the big question is, if he's generating Amshacha, David's just saying, I care about what happens in the world, which seems really different to the Bala Rotson who says, it's okay, you didn't do what you were meant to, but now that you've done Shiva, it never affected me anyway. I wasn't bothered. So does it bother or doesn't it bother? So, so what have we identified at this point? That Shiva takes us to a level which is beyond where mitzvahs take us. Mitzvahs take us to the list of instructions and Shiva takes us to the one who invented the list of instructions. So we're going to see a similar distinction between what mitzvahs do for our neshama versus what Shiva does for our neshama. As in Tshuva, gebracht und die von In the same way as Tshuva puts us in touch with a higher dimension of Godliness, Bala Rotzen, it also puts us in touch with a deeper level, level of, our, of our own Neshama, the part of our Neshama, the essence of our Neshama, which is connected to the Bala Rotzen. That's a part of our Neshama that retains a connection to Hashem, even if we're not doing Torah Mitzvahs, right? The Afo Pishachat Yisrolu principle. So if Tshuva brings to the fore the essence of our connection to Hashem, there too are going to be two facets in exactly the same way as we've identified two different dimensions of how the Ebershtah in the role of Baal Aratzen either cleanses neshamas, uh, sorry, cleanses blemishes to the Neshama or allows us the opportunity to find a new way to bring the energy into the world. So how does this affect our neshamas differently? Aleph. The Siva was brengt heiden zu tshuva is ein primistik of abun mit den eibishen mitzad zen etzim aneshama. What really drives a person to do tshuva? The fact that the, my essence of my neshama is one with eibishen and therefore I have to recreate that connection if it feels lost. Was in ir vet niken geron od chlishas chas v'shalom durchachet. That core of my neshama couldn't have been weakened by the avera that I did. And that's the principle that you saw have to be or that's in the Gemara, or as the Alter Rebbe calls it in Tanya, that even at the time that the person is doing the Avera, the Neshama is still absolutely loyal to Hashem, which sounds paradoxical, but it's real. So why do we do Tshuva? Because our Neshama really is always whole and always connected. Even though that is a connection that we have to the Ebishter at the core and essence of who we are, it is something we feel in our conscious self. What does it mean we feel it in our conscious self? We feel a sense of bitter remorse over the fact that we lost that connection, at least at a conscious level. And thus bring them to Tshuva. That's what propels Tshuva. Tshuva is driven by the fact that the person feels terrible regret over having behaved in a way that wedges a, a distance between us and Hashem. And therefore the person is motivated to say, I make a commitment that now I'm going to do things better and I'm not going to mess up again and I'm not going to lose the connection again. So what are we seeing? The essence of the neshama is connected, therefore it impacts the conscious human to want to stay connected. Secondly, 
because the cause that motivates tshuva is the iskasha sasmus for the neshama with the nebishin is the fact that at, at its essence man neshama is completely one with Hashem. Which means that I have a connection to Hashem that is deeper than the connection I forge through performance. So therefore, what's my response? Not only a commitment that going forward, I'm going to do everything that I'm supposed to. But it's deeper. I want to have a connection to the Ebishan. Not only do I want to observe the way that I should, I want to feel connected. But because there is no other way to connect to the Ebishan except through mitzvahs. So practically, what am I going to do? I'm going to do more mitzvahs. This is very important information. When a person is, is driven by, I don't want to be religious. I want to be connected to the Eibishter. Then the person is not going to just take the religious boxes and say, well, Judaism expects this. I'm going to make sure that I have a passing grade. The person is going to be completely dedicated to do mitzvahs to the best of their ability without any restrictions. If a person is only doing mitzvahs because I accept the Eibishter's authority and I accept my dedication to mitzvahs, then I'm not going to feel the need to do more than is required. But if what's driving the person to do mitzvahs is, I want to reconnect to the Eibishter. And I know that Eibishter is infinite. Then the person can never be satisfied with just saying, okay, at least I fulfilled what the technical requirements of Judaism are. Rather, that's going to be a person who is constantly driven and constantly motivated to find a deeper, stronger way to connect to Hashem. Which means that the person will be consistently adding to the Torah and Mitzvah. So now we've got these two perspectives of how the essence of our Neshama is expressed through the process of Tshuva. Either the drive to make sure that I'm consciously feeling remorse and therefore going to behave differently, or beyond that, the fact that I want to connect to the Ebishter and therefore I'm never going to be satisfied with what I'm doing because there's always further to go. These are quite similar to the two elements we identified about the Ebishter in the role of the creator of instructions, choosing to cleanse on the one hand and then wanting to bring more energy into the world on the other hand. When I'm conscious of the fact that, why am I doing tshuva? Because my neshama is really bound with Eibishter. Which means, I recognize that there's part of myself that was never harmed by any Avera and is always whole in its relationship. So in the same ways we're identifying there's a part of our neshama that is untainted by our various, that matches with our identifying that there's a part of the Ebishter that was never upset, or hurt, or harmed by our various, and therefore is able to forgive us. 
on the Indian and the Eskashas Atmos was come to Meistrik and the Tshuva Gufa. But then the translation of the fact that I have that connection, now I'm going to do something about it. I'm actually going to do Tshuva. As I wrote since which means I'm now driven by this urge to feel connected and be connected to the Ebishter. And therefore, I'm no longer just going to conform to what the Torah requires. I want to connect to the Ebishter, so I'm going to be driven to do more and invest further. That's like the second dimension we described about Abishas where the Abish is now no longer so called bound by the fact, well, the mitzvah didn't happen, therefore the energy can't be there. But rather the Abish says, We're not going to lock ourselves into the fact that that was the channel and you didn't use the channel. We're going to create opportunities, like the person doing Chiva who's looking for opportunities to be able to connect to the Abish. That would explain why it is. If the goal that we want to achieve is cleansing our neshama of its so-called dirty garments, is going to be a For that, you can use entry-level mitzvahs. But if we want to somehow replenish the missing energy that should have entered the world, but didn't because the person either skipped a mitzvah or didn't have error, for that we'll need the higher, more mature version of tshuvah. What creates the possibility of cleaning the damage of our virus? Because they really wasn't, wasn't hurt by our misbehavior. And that reflects in our neshama. So that actually our neshama was also not hurt by our virus. And it still retains a very healthy connection to the Ebishter. But we also explain how do you generate new, unexpected energy into the world? Unexpected because the mitzvah that was supposed to bring it into the world doesn't exist. So how do you generate that? That's because the Ebeshe is not limited to how we are going to share the air. And that reflects in Anushama. That the person's not just going to create a relationship with Hashem based only on the things that the law requires. They're going to go beyond the requirement of the law. They're going to push themselves on the river. So if the goal is cleaning up the mess, entry-level chuvah is good enough. But if the goal is to generate the missing energy into the world, well then you're going to need a higher grade kind of chuvah in order to achieve that. Because in order for a Baal Shiva to really break free of their either perceived or real limitations, to be able to have a meaningful connection to the Ebishter, which is what's going to, so to speak, generate the missing or in the world, is that's something you really only see when a person is functioning at the level of Tshuva Ilah. Which is described was his bit also did a yata vechelisagalis kavala malkas dal treba describes it. So the tremendous amount of drive and energy to want to connect to the Ebishter. Mashekin dos was discussion atoms is Bishla Musa. Dinisiba if Nikki Habgomi is bigila ichin chivatato. Whereas the lower level of chiva is sufficient to show that I'm okay. I didn't lose my connection in spite of my behavior. Maklolis in a chiva in Vakal Dagas is 
Because generally, tshuva, regardless of which level, all tshuva is driven from the essence of our neshama, which never lost contact with Eibishter, regardless of our behavior. As we're going to say on Yishai Rabbah, that this is the part of us that is completely connected to the Eibishter and completely one with Eibishter, and therefore drives us to fix the external separations that we've created. Okay, so let's understand what's the difference between the kind of chuva that just cleanses and the kind of chuva that generates the missing energy. The difference between these two things. On the one hand, the kind of chuva that just makes me feel clean again. Or the kind of chuva that actually creates the missing energy in the world. is like this. What helps me to cleanse myself from having done an Avera? The fact that there's a part of me that was never dirty in the first place. This is the part of me where to start with there was no, there was no damage. It's not that shiva is a scrubbing brush to get rid of blemishes. It's that shiva cleans away what blocked us from knowing who we really are. Or to put it even deeper, what happens to shiva is it reveals the fact that we are fundamentally connected to Hashem. So naturally there can be no blemishes. Whereas when we're talking about replenishing the missing energy that should have been in the world due to a mitzvah, because this is now the Ebishter choosing to make a new system of how we're going to bring energy into the world that is different to the previous system which required a mitzvah. Which in the human experience is feeling the experience of my neshama. Which is feeling that drive to do everything to connect to the Ebishta beyond not only my own limitations, but even the limitations that Torah expects. So there you've got the drive from the essence of the person's neshama generating so much urgency and push to connect to Hashem. And that therefore creates this flow of energy that's going to enter the world. In other words, the kind of energy you bring into the world when you achieve it's almost as if that enthusiasm and urgency and drive and passion that a person has to connect to the Ebishter in an unbridled fashion creates the setting that allows the flow and energy and channeling of this of this great uh, spirituality, this great divine light that was missing. But dogma, the amshach durch mitzvahs was ein nevarim and kenim. As is nor as mitzvah bchnes rotzen the mitzvahs is dodeg bol as the amshach zul kumen durch mitzvahs. So that's actually what mitzvahs are. Mitzvahs are channels. It's just that mitzvahs have rules, and if the channel isn't working, you cannot have the energy. And when a person does tshuva, then there's the possibility of creating an energy even when the channel was missing. Now we can go back to our original apparent contradiction. Why is that the Alter Rebbe, firstly, let's deal with what Reb Levick drew, drew our attention to, uses the language in the that what cleanses damage, it comes from the Ratzon Elian, which is beyond, even being beyond Chochmeila. In other words, he wants to convey. As 
using the metaphor of anatomy of the skull, which is even higher than the so-called hidden brain. And why is that in contradiction with what, or apparent contradiction, with what it says in the Kutatera, that the way to cleanse Averis is because of Chochma Stimo? In the Kutatera, let's look at context. Look at the Torah, the whole thrust of that particular mimer is to explain the concept that Debishta, so to speak, carries and absolves our Averas. The theme and thrust over there is how the Ebishta transforms the darkness of an Avera into the light of Tshuva. As the Zonas Zolomverin as the expression goes, right? That a, a rebellious action is actually now a credit for the person. So what does it mean that you turn an Avera into a mitzvah, into a, into a credit? It means there was meant to have been a credit in the world, there was meant to have been an energy that flowed into the world, and it didn't happen. That's the Zodain. We're not going to turn the Zodain, which blocked the energy, into a Zchus, which brings the energy. Which tells us not only that Tshuva is some kind of a magical wand that now brings an energy into the world that was missing, but the Avera, which stimulated the person to do the Tshuva, now becomes the catalyst for the Tshuva and therefore is also part of that process. So what is it that creates the possibility of this new energy in the world where it was missing? The greatness of Tshuva. Says clearly, why is it that a person who does tshuva with tremendous love for the Ebishta can now transform the Averas? It's because the bitterness and the realization of the distance created by the Avera is the stimulant that causes this tshuva. Therefore, it's part of the, the process of tshuva and therefore it's, it's, it's transformed. Ah, so now we're talking about something that makes sense. It makes sense that because a person was, so to speak, off the rails and their realization is what drove them to be so enthusiastic to reconnect, it makes sense now that that should be part of the process. So that's something which makes sense. That's in the realm of moyach, hidden moyach, right? It's not something you would have ordinarily thought of. It's not even something you necessarily want to tell people. So what are we talking about over here? Averus, which is exactly the, the opposite of, of what the Ebishter wanted. The Ebishter wanted to do mitzvahs. So the fact that you could now logically explain how an Averus becomes a catalyst for this great energy that's entering the world, thanks to Tshuva, that is that's not something that's out in the public. It's not something you would have thought of. It's a hidden brain. It's a hidden intellect. It's a surprising intellect. Whereas the Alter Rebbe is primarily not talking about the transformation of negative to positive. He's talking primarily about the cleansing of the slate. The expression the Alter Rebbe uses over there is that, that they show, for those people who do Tshuva, he'll clean off the dirt. There the Alter Rebbe has to say, how is that possible? How do you clean the dirt? For that, you've got to go to a level that is actually beyond what makes sense. You've got to go to the Ebishtas Rotzen and more specifically to the Baal HaRotzen. Because as we've explained in the Sicha, the only way you can clean the dirt is you have to first be talking to a part of the system that was never dirty in the first place. In other words, somebody who's dirty can't clean somebody else. 
So if something is trapped in the system, it cannot cleanse the system. So we have to be talking now about rotten, which is beyond the system, and therefore was never harmed and never dirtied. And that requires the Eibishter being the Baal Haratzen, not the Eibishter having a secret plan that actually sometimes our various could even help us to grow. And so that's the distinction between the Kutai Torah, which is talking about the so-called secret plan of where there's value in an Avera after the person does Tshuva, as opposed to in a Gerasa Tshuva where he's talking about how you cleanse, and in order to cleanse you have to be talking at a level which is beyond being dirty in the first place.